Hi, welcome to Love is in the Air. My name is Johannes Rompanen. This is a podcast where I sit down with people and talk about love. A year ago, I went for a trip to New York where I recorded 10 episodes. This is now the last one. So, I'm ending this New York chapter with a meeting with Samuel Budin. I started talking with him at a farmer's market in the street. He was, he was selling meat there. We small talked and he asked me what I was doing there. And I told him about my podcast project. He found it interesting and answered he had thought a lot about love recently. Naturally, I got curious. Samuel is a photographer and a writer, and he had just written a piece about his separation with his girlfriend. I asked if I could see it, and, and he sent it to my email. I read it in the evening and immediately replied if he would have time to meet for a chat. My time in New York it was really limited, but I'm, I'm really happy that we, have, we found some time to meet. So, here's our talk. Samuel starts with reading the text for me. Enjoy. This is the story of how I found love in Philadelphia, PA, and how I lost it, and the role the New Jersey Turnpike played in the affair. There are images which accompany this text. I had meant for them to form a different series, which would also have been called America's Greatest Road. A study of the notable places that I saw alongside the pike as I rode between New York, my terrible home, and Philly, the city of visible infrastructure, on Megabus Route M23, with historical notes. The truth is that my interest in these places never extended far beyond the visual. At this time, I can't bring myself to care at all about the Linden cogeneration plant, Newark International Airport, preferred freezer service, or whatever the atrocious Mahler Industrial Park is that's going up in East Brunswick near Exit 8. The road as a metaphor is well-worn. I don't want to overburden it here. I approach my subject with open eyes, and I don't mean to idealize or romanticize it. The fact remains that between June 2017 and February 2018, the New Jersey Turnpike was my lifeline. This is the story of how I found love, and how I lost it in Philadelphia, PA. When we met, I was photographer in residence at Philadelphia's Center for Art and Wood. My job was to photograph the other residents, all woodworkers, as they went about their woodwork. I was living in university housing. I had a private suite, spacious with crummy furniture. Towels and linens were provided, as were a motley assortment of dishes and cooking utensils, dish soap, and a couple rolls of toilet paper. The stove was adequate. The mini-fridge was small. I loved it. I spent most of my time there in the bath. My best friend's mother loaned me her bicycle. I did not get on public transit, but once that entire summer, I walked and rode everywhere. Philadelphia is by far a more humane city to live in than New York. All the while, as I was getting to know it, I was getting to know her. After the residency ended, I moved back to New York. I got a job at the farmer's market, selling pork on the weekends. 
primarily to keep a roof over my head, and secondarily, a close second, so that I could afford to go and see her whenever we could agree on a time. I would reserve a seat at the front of the upper deck of the bus and photograph all the way down and all the way back. Now I have no reason to make the trip, and the set of pictures of the turnpike remains as I left it. On our second date, we stood barefoot in the fountain at Logan Square. I asked her what, in her view, it felt like to write. She said that it was like diving after some precious thing you'd lost, or maybe never quite had, and struggling to bring it to the surface. I thought about this and realized that her description squared pretty well with my own experience. Back in college, where I spent most of my time finding ways to punish myself for harboring creative impulses, I began the process of paring down my writing until it was as lean and utilitarian as could be. I foreswore poetry because it was ornamental, and ornamentation was frivolous. And next, I foreswore fiction because I felt that writing it, at least the way that I did, was unethical. It wasn't until that moment in the fountain that I truly began to consider again, for the first time, that there might be any purpose to which writing could be put that went beyond the practical, that might have a spiritual element, that might approach the sublime. On our third date, we held hands for the first time as we walked down Pine Street. I saw a spot by the wall where a staircase cast a shadow. Come stand in this dark corner with me and make out, I said. I did not realize that the shadow of the ascending staircase concealed the descending stairwell. I banged my leg up pretty good on the way down. You asked me to kiss you and then you disappeared, she said, concerned and delighted as I reemerged. On our fourth date, we saw a movie at the Ritz Bourse, after which she gave me a ride back to my dorm. She pulled up alongside the gate and pressed her forehead to mine, then put her face to my neck. Get out of my car, she said. I heard in this dismissal a sweet undercurrent of invitation. I felt dizzy. My heart sang. Once, in an email she sent to me, she said, I thought about you much of today, which is unacceptable as I have a great deal of work to do. I told myself then that she was playing. I found out later that she was not. For the past two weeks since the breakup, it seems like every time I brace myself and rip off the band-aid, ready at last to confront the truth, I find that there's another band-aid waiting underneath. When will I get down to the wound? That summer, between dates, she would sometimes take days to reply to a text. I would worry myself sick, wondering what I had done wrong, decide that I would never know, and force myself to start moving on. And then, out of the blue, she would show up again. After one such admittedly short period of estrangement, we were biking back to her place in West Philadelphia, trying to outrun the rain. The thunderhead burst above us and we took refuge upstairs in a divey bar, which we had all to ourselves. I remember, vividly, our tentative first steps toward one another as our respective orbits around the pool table slowly converged. The revelation I experienced as she swooped in to kiss me on the shoulder. After the rain cleared, we rode on across the Gray's Ferry Bridge, past the Waste Management Transfer Station, past the place where the trolley lines meet, and all the city's exposed and trembling guts. 
She pulled away from me as we hit the incline on Woodland Avenue and I lost sight of her. I felt, again, the momentary fear that she was gone forever, but I took a breath and steadied myself. I knew her address and was prepared to make my own way. There was no need. She was waiting for me, up ahead, and we rode, slowly, together. There's a lot more. Moments of grace, moments of joy and ecstasy. Things so personal and intimate that I balk at the thought of writing them down. It isn't the things, anyway, it's that we shared them. I hold them close. I'm not going to go into them here. During our last conversation, on the phone, she told me that she felt like she was using our relationship to try to fix something in herself. I've done this too, in the past, with other people. I realize, in writing this, that for the first time in my life, I no longer feel broken. I was looking for something else. I wanted to build some kind of home with her, or find some kind of home in her. I gave it my best shot. There were times when I thought I caught glimpses of it, but these fragments never quite resolved into fact. The second last time I went down to see her, there was a snowstorm the day I'd planned to leave and my bus was canceled. The following morning, we took her dog, whom I loved more than I have ever loved any dog, to the park. As I watched them play together, I felt a numbness come over me, along with an awareness. I needed her in a way that she did not need me. I needed her in a way that she did not need to be needed. And the various distances between us began, at last, to seem unassailable. If I could, there are three things I'd like to tell her. Since I can't, I'm telling you. I want her to know that she is beautiful. I want her to know that she is already whole. I want her to know that there is nothing about her that needs fixing in any substantial way. It wouldn't make a difference for her to hear these things from me anyhow. She'll hear them from herself in due time. Our relationship was brief, only six months. But the time I spent with her felt expansive, and I grew in it, in love. The great loss I feel is a loss of possibility of what I thought we had stretching out before us, an unbroken, endless, open road. Beautiful text. Uh, how, do, how do you feel about the text? I really wish I'd never had occasion to write it. Yeah. I started writing it actually the day after we broke up, and I didn't. I didn't know right away that I was writing it, that the project I'd planned to turn into America's Greatest Road, the photo series about the turnpike, mm. was going to be America's Greatest Road, the series about my breakup. But within 48 hours, I'd figured it out. And I, <clears throat> I typed it in to my phone while at the farmer's market where, where we met, oh. which was, it was hard going back to the market 
that was the only place in New York City that I go that I'd only started going. Yeah, I started working there after we were dating. So mm. there was nothing. There was nothing in that environment that she wasn't connected to. But I typed it all into my phone and it was better than what I've got here. And I was trying to copy it and I deleted it by accident. Oh. And I, I then narrated the entire thing to the best of my memory using voice to text. And I went through that night and fixed the mistakes. But it's not what it was. I don't know when I'll be able to get back to it and make it what it was. Um, and I've realized since, you know, considering things that around November, my grandmother went into hospice and my mother suddenly got really serious about selling the house where I'd grown up. And I've had remarkable stability in my life as far as those things go. And that was coming apart. And I started trying to get things to solidify with the person I was seeing as a way of holding on to something, keeping something continuous. And I don't want to say it was the right or wrong thing to do. It certainly precipitated the end of the relationship. That doesn't mean it's right or wrong, it's what happened. So I've got, you know, perspective on it, but perspective sucks. I'm happy you shared this. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to. Um. There are some things that are in it now that weren't in it the last time you saw it. Yeah, yeah. I think it feels more whole now. I really like I like it as you said the, the idea your idea is that there are also images and, and it's part of something how do you feel like hmm, you showed me the zine uh, of your work and something you, you mentioned shame and it's it's feel it's for me also now a topic that kind of has been rising <laughs> when when I've been exploring kind of the topic of of love also and, and especially well well, the, well the, the story goes that I was interested in, in thinking like uh, exploring uh, the idea like what are actions coming from love and, and what is like what are, what are loveful actions and and then I found fear 
that that uh, kind of the notion of of fear often being in the in the way of of these loveful actions. <laughs> yeah. And and then and then when I started to explore fear, I I found I found shame <laughs> and. Yeah, what, what do you think about this? Well, fear is, or one of the fears is the fear of being seen. Yeah. And the reason it's scary is because there's things that you're ashamed of. Um, and I opened up more in this relationship than I ever had with anyone, which is... If I look at it, you know, if I detach and look at it, great, a milestone, an accomplishment. I got myself out there. Mm. Um, but that's also why it, it's hard to let go of because yeah. it wasn't easy. The idea of starting again with somebody else now, even though I'm at a point in my life where I really want some kind of companionship, I wish I were more professionally stable. I wish I were an established artist already. I wish I... I wish I either had a real job or I could just get over it and stop wanting a real job. But uh, in spite of that, I have, I think, a lot of stuff to offer somebody do you think that these things that you wish that they have uh, anything to do with having or not having a relationship? Do you mean that? Yeah, I mean, you, you told a list of things that you wish would be different. I mean, is, what is the correlation with yeah, that's, the idea of, of a relationship? That's self-work I need to do yeah. before. I feel ready again, maybe. Mm. Or it's something to keep myself busy with while I get ready. And yeah, I like... I do have a degree of shame around... I like working at the market. Yeah. Um, but... Maybe it's my socioeconomic background and upbringing. It, it feels either embarrassing to like it or, you know, it's the service yeah, industry. Yeah, yeah. A lot of artists work in the service industry. Mm. Why should I be different? <laughs> I like talking to people about cooking <laughs> and I like cooking. I think, I think that, but, that is an important point to acknowledge. Like, But it's not legitimate. Mm. I'm doing air quotes. It's not legitimate. What would be like? What would be legitimate? Investment banking. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. If I got some professional certification and had a office job, if I were a nurse practitioner, maybe those are real jobs. 
and this is some real jobs is, is in air quotes yeah too. yeah yeah this is uh it's it's so interesting to kind of hear your thoughts and 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 hear and this because this is an ongoing narrative of so many people I, i've spoken with kind of how people undermine their self, their, themselves and, and the lack of of self-worth um in fact the things you find most shameful in yourself are often things the part that your partner winds up not caring about yeah, exactly. at all <laughs> yeah i remember but uh, it's so hard to remember that yeah it is it is i remember instances like that, that was the first relationship and and i i brought i brought into light a a, a shameful thing from from my childhood from our, our family that i and i was like i was honestly prepared of her leaving me like but i was like okay i i i need to be honest i need to tell tell her tell her this um but, but it was so liberating like the after i told her she said like yeah and yeah <laughs> and, and yeah. like and, and and i was like yeah okay yeah that's that's true doesn't actually I, i don't have to carry that shame with me and it was kind of a, a important a breaking point for me a kind of a new start in, in kind of finding a truthful self <laughs> in a way uh, um, like because kind of the shame had been kind of blocking everything and i wasn't like even uh, i was so young i was like 18 so i was i wasn't really hadn't reflected a lot about the shame and how it affected me because I was it was such an integral part of me I kind of I never thought that it wouldn't have to be (laughs) yeah you can build your identity around it Mm. which is I guess what I'm talking about about feeling broken it's related to the other piece yeah Um, and also I had the idea of eventually putting the piece that I showed you in the zine and Mm. this one together as one volume because my grandmother died and the breakup happened on the same day and they're linked for that reason for the reason that my grandmother's final she declined for so long in so many ways Mm. but her her absolute final decline the sprint to the finish you might call it um And the way I reacted to it was one of the things that led to the breakup. What was your reaction? Oh, well, just just reaching out more mm, for yeah, support. Yeah, yeah. But my grandmother wasn't interested in being really active in her grandchildren's upbringing, so I didn't know her well before her dementia started. Yeah. And at the exact moment when I was maybe finally able to relate to her as an adult, she left or her her mind started breaking so i never got to know her and it occurred to me that 
she had never in my life been someone I would ever have thought to of going for going, you know, asking for any kind of advice. And that I had missed that. I wonder who I'd be as a person if I'd had a grandmother like that around. But immediately after the breakup, my aunt called me back. I called her earlier in the day to, mm. you know, connect and see how she was doing. And I told her what had just happened. And she told me a story, which was, she said, one time when I was small, I was crying about something. And Mambu, who's my grandmother, we called her Mambu, got down and hugged me and said, I know you're sad, but, you know, this really isn't anything to cry over. And she said, I said, what would be something to cry over then? And Mambu said, when the person you love doesn't want to see you anymore, that's something to cry over. And I finally got the grand maternal advice vicariously. But it was maybe the cruelest turn or joke of anything that happened that day because when it came, it was something that I had just relearned so clearly that the advice was of absolutely no use to me. So that story is the turning point between the hinge between the two. When did you say this happened? The breakup. And um, the, the death of your grandma? February 1st. So it's really, really fresh. Really fresh. Yeah. And I see... I see you that I mean you're still in the morning. Well, how do you say that in English? Morning. Process. Yeah. Grieving. Grieving. Um it's completely okay. And it takes time. Yeah. I think I'm uh avoiding a major depressive episode this winter anyway. I didn't get away from it last winter. I didn't get away from it the winter before, but I'm doing okay. I just wish things were different. Yeah. But they will be different. How how's, do you have how how is the family like? Are you are you finding support in your in your family? Yeah, everyone's been good. Um I try not to a lot of relationships have ended shortly after I told my family about them. I don't really know why that is. Um the last time I saw her she met my parents and there was all kinds of timing and it wasn't the best way to do it, but mm. We'd both agreed to it, and it happened. And I think that might have been a final straw. For so, so my family didn't really know much about the relationship, mm. and I'm not in a position where I want yeah. to tell them all about it now. Yeah. But regarding my grandmother's death, everyone's been really good. We're there for each other.
You said you you've been going into depression each winter. Yeah. How how do you get out of uh, out of the black hole? The only thing that worked in the end after years, you know, um last spring I stopped smoking weed, which mm. I have been doing a little bit every day. I think I started doing it in college. I was depressed all through middle and high school, but everyone is. And probably through college, too, for most people. But weed works really well as something to do for fun every once in a while. Or as a way to get through life in the short term without having to confront questions that are bothering you. But once you get into the cycle of doing it, At least for me, it burnt out the parts of my mind that let me confront any questions at all. Mm. So, once I was able to look at the things that were the reasons I started using it, it became a stumbling block to being able to do that. And that was the better part of a decade. Um, but things in general have been much better in the last year. Did you did you stop smoking or did you just like change your habits? Or? I stopped smoking almost yeah. altogether. Yeah. You felt you got back? Back, back kind of that yeah, capacity. Now, now I can process my emotions yeah. pretty much as they happen, rather than three weeks to a month later. <laughs> yeah, it makes life easier. Yeah. How did you become aware of that? Like how, and um, when did you kind of see the, that there was a connection to? Only after I stopped. Yeah. Okay. I might have had. But what got preliminary you preliminary kind of, thoughts? What? Why did you like? How did you make the decision to stop? Did you have like any motivation to stop them? I actually don't remember exactly yeah. okay. when when it happened. Yeah. Um, but it, I guess I'd been flirting with the idea for a while, mm. and I finally did it. Yeah. And it was hard, and then it got easier. Yeah. Um, one other thing that's a big part of this relationship was writing letters because of the distance. And writing letters helped me a lot with writing. And although I also put, well, I had a fellowship and residency, and I had had a year of hard arts programming, or you know things I was doing in the arts, mm-hmm. and I probably needed a little break. And the relationship was good during that time, but. At a certain point, I think I ought to have been getting back into looking for residencies, fellowships, grants, and trying to put work out there more because it's ostensibly what I want to do. And instead, I was focusing a lot of energy on getting down there to see her as Mm. as often as I could. So I don't think... I don't want to idealize the relationship. I think there are things about it that 
weren't working well for both for either of us. Mm. And but you know, I still would have rather worked those things out rather than throw it all away. Yeah, yeah. But at my grandmother's memorial, I had an experience which I've never had before, which was thinking about reopening the zine that I showed you, Cold Comforts, and giving it a new, more satisfying non-ending. I was taking pictures, which I'm trying to take as many pictures of the house where I grew up as I can before my parents move out of it. And there was some furniture that and things that had been my grandmother's. And as I was making the frame to photograph it, I was simultaneously... Yeah, I didn't plan, it just happened, writing... Mm. in my head, the text that would go with it. So as as I was taking the picture, I was also making the paragraph, which some kind of breakthrough. I'd love to get to a point where it's always that direct. I don't know if that'll happen soon or ever, but it was a really... cathartic moment, and I hope it portends good things to come. I'm going to think of like when my grandma died and, and I wanted to photograph also her old home. But it was like it was hard to be there. Like I was, I was I had this idea, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll just I'll be there one half a day and I'll, I'll manage like I'll, I'll get all the pictures I want. Yeah. But then it was so intense kind of going through all the memories. She, I mean, she'd been living there for whole my, the whole of my age, uh, part of my life. And, and, and you have all those childhood memories jumping back at you. Um, so I had to I had to stop at some point. I was like really feeling just drained. <laughs> mm. It's interesting, like how how the mind works and how kind of and how how many how much there is that you can't really control. Like like things happen to you and and. and it's it's I think I think a lot about that like how how to and also now when listening to you like uh, the, what 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 are the tools like what 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 are the tools to use when when it is difficult <laughs> and you feel you don't manage. Do you feel you have a a, a, a tool set? <laughs> the only one that I could name for you, there's, I'm sure there's more that I don't yeah. come to mind. Um, but I had a therapist who was a great therapist. Um, and he would listen to me talk about something I was thinking about, something I was going yeah. through. And he would say, if... Uh, 
if he likes what he was hearing, he would say, that seems healthy. And I catch myself reacting to things. And if I like the way I'm reacting, mm. I think to myself, that seems healthy. <laughs> and yeah. I say it to other people too. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. It It's very simple. But like uh, like emo, you know it when you see it. Yeah, and I think I think uh, it comes down to being conscious and, and kind of being aware of okay, this is. I think that statement kind of it 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 brings things to li- to to the light and and helps you observe it and 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 maybe take it in. A yeah. level deeper. Like this sounds healthy, and then okay, like okay, more of this, <laughs> and and I can go deeper with this. Um, and also to be aware, kind of 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 the the unhealthy stuff, and kind of to see it and, and observe it, and okay, you are here, like <laughs> like like I don't necessarily like this, but. But okay, <laughs> I'm not kind of trying to run away and giving giving it a time. What do you think um, if you would define love? Like, what, what what is it when you hear this? When you hear hear the word word love, what it, what is it that comes to your mind? No, it's too big. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it is. Yeah, that is. I think that that is also one of the reasons I I started doing this podcast. Is like kind of entering the topic of love from from different point of views and 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 exploring what it means for different people. There is a feeling of experiencing the affection she felt for me Mm. and forcing myself to deal with it and to say it's okay for her to feel that way about me because... there are good things in me for someone to feel that way about. Mm. And that, at least for most of the time we were seeing each other, feeling good about myself was what, how did I say it? The care and affection I received from her was what let me feel good about myself. Mm. And feeling good about myself was what let me receive the care and affection from her. Um, But it was still... I was able to 
maintain a separate personhood from hers and also able to reflect those things back toward her. But I think that that, that seemed healthy. Yeah. And then as I hit some emotional stumbling blocks, mm. I started to get a little codependent, which is not healthy. Mm. It doesn't have to be unhealthy, but it wasn't. Yeah. But that kind of feedback is still, I mean, that's, that's really essential. <laughs> that's really important like to have. Mm. I noticed I, I struggle a lot with that, like having like <laughs> thinking thinking very bad thoughts of myself and not kind of seeing seeing any of yeah, not seeing anything good in myself. Mm. And that's not very constructive. <laughs> nope. And and so then when when I do get the feedback of of something beautiful that somebody else has, else sees in me, and first I'm typically like really confused. Like, like first I think they're, they're probably joking with me <laughs> um, until. I try to get in a mode where I'm receiving and, and, and at least observing what they what they're saying and, and giving it giving it a chance to, to sink in and giving myself a chance to receive and giving myself a chance to to embrace the good things that people see in me. And and I think maybe slowly I start to believe in it myself as well. <laughs> um, but I, I, I really believe that it, it is important to get that feedback and, and it shouldn't be it shouldn't be limited to something you get from the romantic relationship. And personally I also like I've been married for for a long time and and how long is that? Um, ten years. Um, so I noticed that our we have small kids, so the life is really that day to day life is really intense. And even though we we show affection to each other, we don't give that much like detailed feedback <laughs> um, and I've noticed I I get more of that from my good friends um, and I was just like in the morning today in the morning I, I was looking through some old pictures and there was a nice series from from me and my wife and I felt really uh, 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 a longing back home, <laughs> even though I'm, I'm I'm really a short time here in New York, and I really appreciate my stay here. But I really f also felt a strong belonging to to the relationship and to to, to my wife and to my kids. Um, so I, I wrote a small kind of this kind of. 
Yeah, you, yeah, you, you, saw, you saw the, you probably saw the video on Insta, Instagram, like a gratification text <laughs> of 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 having having also the support support. Let's say to come come here, um, and the uh, the reason I, I mentioned this is that that this this action was like a public <laughs> public feedback to my wife and to, to those near to me. Mm. And I thought about that it's 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 not that often <laughs> that we do something like stuff like this that, that show okay you are you are important for me and, and I appreciate you. And it's also nothing you can kind of Hmm. It's also nothing you can demand from anybody. Like you can't demand that kind of feedback. It kind of so therefore also it feels really grateful when when you receive it because it's always like a big big surprise. <laughs> Can we check the time? Yeah. We need to listen. Yeah, it should go in about 15 minutes. Yeah. Um, we can end. Uh, um, is there anything else that you were thinking of? Mm, no. I want to say... Um, I'm sorry for your losses. Thank you. And I feel grateful for you that you wanted to share them with me. It was good to have this conversation. Yeah. Now, I want to say there are lots of things that I'm not saying out of respect for the person I was seeing. Of course. I'm talking a lot about how she made me feel. I, there was more to the relationship than that. Mm. But as I've said, that was intimate stuff and I'm not going to go into it. Yeah. Good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being with me on this journey. A big thank you to Yuri Pirinen, who has made the sound here in the background and has helped me with the mastering of the podcast. Please go to lovepodcast.fm, where you can listen to the whole archive of Love Talks. And as always, I'm really happy to receive some feedback. Just email me, johannes.rompanen, R-O-M p-p-a-n-e-n at gmail.com See you soon again. Bye-bye.